How's that sound? Any better? Uh, it's, it's no, there we go. I said it's no better up, it's up better up there, not down here. Welcome to New Life. I'm Mark Myers. Glad you can be here. Thank you, Grace Rain, for opening us in worship. They will continue to lead us in worship at the end of our service. Welcome to all of you and all of your family and friends who are joining you today. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll begin our journey following Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together this beautiful day, these beautiful people, this beautiful place called your church. Bind us together, make us one. Send your spirit upon us now. Allow us to follow you as we study, as we read, as we pray, as we act and move in your world. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 3 through 10, as found on the screen behind you or in your Bibles, if you carry one of those around. You're welcome to reference it. John chapter 4. Therefore Jesus left Judea and went back to Galilee. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. Now it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. His, uh, the Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with one another. Jesus responded, if you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. God bless the reading of the word today. There's a local boy where I live. And he's, he's not particularly any different than any other boy, probably teenager, might be out of college or might be out of high school and in college, I'm not 100 percent sure. Doesn't have any particularly obscure body art, you know, anything that kind of sets him apart in 2016. But I often see him, and I've talked to him and slowed down along the road as he's walking through town and walking out away from town. And you, if you know where I live, it's in the country. He's often wearing headphones and just kind of minding his own business. And, and, and I often think to myself as I see him or as I've talked to him briefly, as you can imagine, in passing, that this is the kind of person that Jesus would have stopped and made time for. I don't know anything about him. I know a little bit about him, but I don't know much about him. But he kind of has this sense to me of, of kind of being a loner, somebody who kind of just goes their own way. And Jesus made time for people who did their own thing, who made their own way, who may have been set apart from the crowd. Certainly this young man's not marginalized. He's white and he's a male, um, so he can't play that card. But that doesn't mean Jesus wouldn't have stopped and spent time with him. In fact, if you find yourself following Jesus, you will find yourself following him to people who you may not have expected to have a relationship with. 
And so we continue, this is week five of Adam, or uh, focusing on Adam Hamilton's book, The Way, following the footsteps of Jesus. And we find today, as we follow Jesus, we are going to come across sinners, outcasts, and the poor. I want to bring up a few stories here. First, uh, I want to talk about sinners. You all know what sinners are. Yes, thank you, Steve, for being the only honest one. Paul and I, when we, um, when we uh, pastored at um, Cornerstone in Maple Park, we used to start every Sunday morning, good morning, saints, and then good morning, sinners, and that should get everybody. But yes, we are all sinners. We all make bad decisions. We all turn away from God. We all do things that hurt ourselves and other people. But there are some people who might be more easily disputed to be sinners. And Jesus seemed to make it his mission in life, absolutely in death, to reach out these people. One of these people, and I just want to talk about a couple, but one of these people was a man named Levi. And we talked about Jesus, kind of his home base was Capernaum, this little town in Galilee. And outside of Capernaum on the road, there was a tax collector, and he would get taxes from people as they were coming in and out of town. In fact, it it was a position that he paid for. Levi paid for that to the Roman government. He basically contracted with the Roman government to collect taxes. He would pay it up front. And then he could take what, all year long, he could take whatever he got. And if he wanted to take a little bit more, he could do that. And often tax collectors were seen as taking a little bit more for themselves. And as you can imagine, many tax collectors were very dishonest. But among the Jewish people, they were especially seen as sinful and sinners and, and, and just terrible people because they were collecting taxes for Rome, Rome, the government that was oppressing the Jewish people. So here's this Jewish man, Levi, as his name suggests, one of the tribes of Israel, who was collecting money for the oppressing power, right? So the the religious folks of Capernaum, you can imagine, didn't much care for Levi. And the religious folks of the area much didn't care for tax collectors. But Jesus stopped by his tax booth one day and said, follow me. You know, he'd already gotten some fishermen. We talked about that. He'd already got four fishermen. But this is the fifth guy, and his name's also Matthew. He wrote one of the Gospels, right, if, if you're keeping track. And, and Jesus said, Levi, or Matthew, follow me. And, and here's the wonderful thing. Levi, Levi did. Levi left his booth. You know, he'd already paid Rome, so he, it's not like he was, you know, shirking his duties. So he, you know, put up the, the shop, and he went home and he followed Jesus and he had a huge party for Jesus and he invited all kinds of people including other tax collectors including other people who may have been seen as sinners and the religious people of the town they were watching this party and they were watching Jesus at this party and you know what they were doing they were grumbling that's what religious people do just to keep track they grumble sometimes and they were saying who is this Jesus that he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. But Levi welcomed Jesus into his home, changed his life, followed him, and is one of the authors of the stories that tell us about Jesus' saving grace. What an important man. That comes from Luke 5, if you're uh, writing that down or keeping track of that. Now, there's another story in Luke just a couple chapters later. 
about one of these religious folks, a Pharisee, a, a keeper of the law, one of the religious elite, one of the people that knew his Bible backwards and forwards, prayed every day and tithed and fasted and did all those wonderful things. His name was Simon. And Simon invites Jesus over to his house to have a banquet. He doesn't greet Jesus in the typical way. He doesn't offer Jesus the opportunity to wash his hands or feet. He doesn't anoint Jesus as an honored guest. He pretty much invites him over and then ignores him. But during this party, something wonderful happens, depending on your point of view. If you're Simon, something terrible happens. A woman. Not, not just any woman, a woman who is known as a sinner. I, I mean, the Bible just clearly says it. <laughs> you know, a, a, a woman who was identified as a sinner from town no, we read into it, a prostitute, comes in, breaks into the party. I love it. It's a great party crasher uh, example here in the Bible. She comes in. She weeps at the feet of Jesus. She dries his feet with her hair. She anoints his feet with oil. And Jesus teaches Simon in that moment about who truly is honoring God, who truly is honoring him, who is truly not the person who just invites him over to the party and ignores him, but the person who is at his feet willing to give anything to be close to Jesus. And so Jesus spent time with these people, these sinners, whether it was a tax collector or a prostitute or anybody else, in the midst of sin. When you're caught in the act, Jesus was there. Before something happens, Jesus is there. After you've been put on trial, hanging on the cross, two thieves. And Jesus has a relationship with the one thief that says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus was a fan of sinners because sinners have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I want to tell you a story from growing up. My hometown, Ottawa, some of you are familiar with it, beautiful town. Town of two rivers, that's our model. Two rivers and two strip clubs. It's true. The uh, ecumenical, that means uh, you know, a variety of churches, right? Ecumenical, multiple different denominations. The Ecumenical Women's Society of, Rock, or of Ottawa years ago decided, given the sinful nature of strippers, obviously, decided to go into uh, hotels and motels and collect those little shampoos and, and soaps and, and can collect them and give them, bring them over to the strip clubs and, uh, and offer that as a wonderful gift to these young women. Now, I worked across the street from one of those strip clubs and I worked the third shift at the truck stop. And, and so I built a relationship with many of those uh, women who, who at that point in my life happened to be younger sisters of girls that I went to uh, high school with, so I never had any particular allure for me. Um, so I was able to build a positive relationship with them. Uh, and interestingly enough, wearing their uh, Gucci clothes and driving their Porsches, I don't think what they needed were hotel and motel shampoos. But you see, the, the religious folks thought they were dirty. And so how do you clean something that's dirty you? Give it some soap. Now those young women, many of whom I built a relationship with over the few years that I worked across the street, did need something. <laughs> it wasn't soap. 
They needed the cleaning that we all need. They needed a relationship that we hold dear, a relationship with Christ who loves us, who values us, who thinks of us in positive ways. Now there's another group, outcasts. We all have different kind of outcasts in our world, right? In Jesus' time, there was a couple different types of outcasts. One were physically unclean. And by outcast, I mean anyone who really couldn't partake in the life of the church. So if you were unclean, whether physically or spiritually, you were not welcome in the synagogue, you were not welcome in the temple, you were not welcome at church, okay, you understand? You couldn't come to church if you were unclean. You had to be clean before you could go. And remember, back in those days, the temple was where God was. So if you wanted to be by God, you needed to go to the temple. And if you were unclean, you couldn't go to the temple. So one of these huge groups of people are lepers. And they were seen, and leprosy, different than leprosy today, uh, 2,000 years ago, leprosy, just a, a various number of skin diseases, all right? Uh, anybody who kind of had various different skin diseases, they were considered to be a leper, and they were unclean, and they were put in different colonies and separated from the community. Not, not only could they not come to church, but they were separate, they had to go live like on the outskirts of town in caves and stuff, right, in different little colonies. They were outcasts. And Jesus spends a lot of time with lepers and he heals them and he ministers to them and he touches them and he's not afraid to do that and that's beautiful i I, you know i just think of i just think of the the men and women who have who who have worked with with people with with terrible diseases with aids with hiv with, with leprosy literal leprosy who 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 just share that love that christ shared by holding by healing by walking with those individuals jesus did that if you follow jesus you you're going to find yourself by people who might not physically be clean then we then we have this other category spiritually unclean these people that for one reason or another even though maybe physically they were fine spiritually they were not right by god at least according to the other religious folks they were not right by god and that brings us to the story we read today john chapter 4 the woman at the well i encourage you to read it's one of my favorite chapters in the entire bible it's beautiful, it's meaningful, it's just the entire chapter is just filled with stuff. You see, in, in the time of Jesus, uh, and it's interesting, I didn't get our maps and stuff today here, um, but if you come on Wednesday night at 4 at 6 o'clock, you can go to Samaria and see all of that. You see, in, in, the, um, in the time when Israel was a nation for a very short period of time, There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians. The Assyrians took a lot of the people out and put a lot of their people in, and those people started intermarrying and stuff, and everything got all mixed up. And the Jewish people who thought they were pure, that they were the true lineage, the the southern tribes, they said those people are unclean. And so if you look at the map, you know, Galilee's up here, right, with Nazareth and all that kind of stuff, Capernaum. Then there's Samaria, then there's Judea, and that's where Jerusalem is, and Bethlehem, and all those places, right? And, and for so all these Jews in Galilee, they would want to go to Jerusalem for all the holy holy uh, festivals, and they would travel all the way around the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, to avoid Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through Samaria, even though it was the fastest way to get, you know, from Nazareth or Capernaum or a- any of the great places in Galilee to Jerusalem. They would walk all the way around it because they thought those people are unclean. They, they actually weren't any, none of the Samaritans were allowed in the temple, so they built their own temple, right? 
even though they were Jews, even though they felt like they were from the same lineage, um, today there, there are still Samaritans. There's only a few thousand left. Um, they are a dying race of people. But the other, the, the Jewish people thought they were, they were just unclean. Something wasn't right about them. But Jesus, instead of walking around, he goes straight through. Go straight through. I love how, what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, that's not true in terms of he didn't have to. But I think in terms of God calling him, in terms of spiritually, Jesus had to go to Samaria. And sometimes if you follow Christ, you have to go to places you don't want to go. And he sits and he talks. Now, not only is this a woman, first of all, so here's this male Jewish teacher, and he's talking to a woman, and that makes the disciples like crazy. But she's a Samaritan, and they're unclean. And she's in the middle of the day out there by herself. She's been married, what, five times? She's living with a guy she's not married to. She comes in the heat of the day. Remember, middle of the day in the desert, not the best time to be out getting water. But she comes at the hottest part of the day to avoid all the other folks in her town. She's an outcast in about 16 different ways, right? But Jesus, I, I just love it. He had, he had to go, and he had to talk to this woman. And, and he does. And if you're reading just the Gospel of John, this is the first person Jesus reveals himself to as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as God incarnate. And this is the first person in Scripture that Jesus says, go and preach. It's a good reference for anybody who's against female preachers. There's lots of them, but this is one in particular. Jesus says, go and preach. And, and don't worry, the men in town didn't believe her anyway, but Jesus did and commanded her to go. Beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful story. Jesus made time for outcasts and outcasts May not have done anything. We don't know how she got in that situation. She was born a Samaritan. She, that had nothing to do with her. You know, men in that time could divorce you for all kinds of things and just leave you up for dead, basically. May have had nothing to do with her. Could have been a victim four or five different times. But Jesus made time for those outcasts. So, so sinners are kind of those people that make bad decisions, right? Uh, us included, everybody included. Outcasts are people that society has said, no, you're not good enough working at Walter Lawson's with Selena for the year plus, year and a half we did, I was amazed. I, 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 was, I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like a, a leprosy community, a commune. Here's all these young people, little kids up to adults who, who started as little kids and grew up at this nursing home, many of whom are like Selena, and most of them are much worse than Selena. Uh, but, you know, she's cute, and you can see her, and it's getting a little bit more... Uh, apparent that something's wrong but you know she's cute enough you can kind of walk past her and not say anything uh, there's so many of the kids there that it is physically obvious there's a problem and, and, and gro grotesque deformities and, and terrible diseases and terrible genetic disorders uh, and, and i was amazed at the love and the care of the people that worked in that community because so many of those people children right were kind of set off. Maybe their family didn't have a choice. Maybe their family did. But they were set 
off and they don't they don't get to go into the world very often and they don't get to see things and do things and, and so they're isolated they're alone and many of them don't have anyone come visit them ever those are the kind of people that jesus would have spent time with that jesus would have had to go see i love that that just came to me this week i just love that he had to go he didn't have a choice he felt so moved So we have sinners and we have outcasts. And finally, we have the poor. Yes, I know some of you are thinking, yep, that's me, I'm poor. Some of you might be. I think I'm poor too. I got one income for a family of five. I got a little daughter who's got severe medical needs. Three little kids. Uh, I was driving a Camaro, though, this week. That's not, that's, that, that's first, I, was, I rented a car and they upgraded me to a Camaro. Uh, I just had to fit that in. I didn't get to fit that in. Oh, darn. I played it really cool, too. I was out of town. We are down to one car in my family, and I was out of town, so I had to rent a car. And, uh, uh, they upgraded me to a Camaro, and I, as I was driving the Camaro, which was great. It was fun. I, I have no desire to own one, but um, it, it was fun for the time that I did it. Um, I, I, was, I was impressed at how few, or how should I say this? I, I was a little bit shocked about how many more luxuries my Chrysler Town & Country has than that Camaro. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm probably not poor then if the inside of my car is nicer than a Camaro that's three years newer than my car. I'm probably not very poor. But there are many people in our world who are very, very poor, and there are many people across our world and in our home right here around us that are very, very poor, that struggle with where are we going to eat? We have, you know, so much of our ministry with the paper angel closet struggle with where are we going to live? How do I get to school? How do I pay for the basic necessities so I can live. Jesus did a lot of ministry with the poor. That, that's, you can, if, you, if you can read the Bible and not see that, you're not reading very well. But he also teached and preached a lot about the poor. And I just want to lift up three parables. Parables, remember, that's kind of a, a story that Jesus taught um, based in reality, but not necessarily a real story. And the first one you're very familiar with, the, it's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Here's this guy who is poor. He's been beaten, broken, abused, and left for dead on the side of the road. And the religious folks come, and they pass him by. And here's this filthy Samaritan. And he comes, and he takes the man, pays for him to be cared for, checks in on him. And Jesus ultimately says, who was the neighbor? Well, the religious folks have to say the Samaritan, even though it pained them. I would have loved to be there. There are a few times in the Bible that I would have really liked to be present. That's one of them when the Pharisees had to say, where's the Samaritan? They they didn't really want to say it, but they did. There's another one, a story found in Luke 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, uh, not Lazarus who was risen from the dead, but a different Lazarus. Apparently there was multiple ones in the Bible. Lazarus was a poor man who sat outside the rich man's gate and begged for food and didn't even get scraps. And 
the dogs came by and licked his sores, right? That's the most vivid part of the story that I remember because it's disgusting and you always remember things that are gross. And they die and the, the poor man goes up to be with Abraham and the rich man goes to Sheol. Remember, this is a parable, not eschatology. Jesus is not teaching about what's going to happen. Jesus is just giving a story. Just want to be clear. And there's a chasm between them and the poor man calls out, or the rich man calls out, please let me warn everyone else. Jesus says, you had all the teachings, you had all of the law, you had all of the opportunity to realize you needed to care for your fellow man and you ignored it. Pretty rough. Then there's this one. It's the parable of the sheep and the goats. You probably don't like it very much, although Cake did a great song about it several years ago. It comes from Matthew 25. And Jesus tells us that at the end times, again, this is parable. He, he's kind of using hyperbole here. At the end times, the Lord will gather all people in front of him and he will separate them like sheep and goats. All right. And there's, there's agricultural stuff that gets into that. I don't want to spend too much time on tonight. And he says the, the good folks, right, the sheep in this case, the good folks will come and they will be blessed and they will say, Lord, um, that, well, let me just read it. Um, the righteous will reply to Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply to them, I assure you that what you have done for the least of these brothers and sisters, you have done for me. Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Lord, how, how did you didn't come to us? How did we know? And he says, when you fed the least of these. And, and, and the goats right on the other side say, Lord, we didn't ever see you. And he said, well, you didn't feed. You didn't clothe. You didn't visit. You didn't care. You were completely self-centered. You did not do work with the poor. You cannot be Christian and not serve the poor. I mean, that's, it's just the bottom line. It shouldn't even be something we have to discuss. It is just the bottom line. You cannot follow Christ and not serve the poor. You cannot follow the Christ and ignore the poor. And, and the, the most terrible thing about what's happening in our government and our state and federal and everything else is that the poor are being neglected because of everything. What's, there's no budget. The poor suffer, right? I mean, that's just sp specifically Illinois. There's no budget, and you know who's suffering? Not the rich folks, not the politicians. Most of us aren't really suffering. Some of us may be. But who's really suffering? The poor and the needy. And that's terrible, and that's inexcusable. The wonderful opportunity in the midst of this, however, is a chance for the church to rise up and say, you know what? We used to take care of the poor. You know what? We used to feed the poor. We used to clothe those who didn't have any clothes. You know, we used to visit people who were sick. And, and actually, we used to be in charge of health care because we believed everyone should have health care. And you, and you know what? We used to visit people in prison. And we used to share good news with them, not tell them that they were damned, not tell them that they were dirt. We used to say, Jesus loves you, and there's still time. You can turn your life around. So we have this wonderful opportunity. If we want to follow Christ, if you don't, <laughs> don't have to worry about it. 
But if you want to follow Christ, we have this wonderful opportunity. That's why we started the Paper Angel Closet here. We've helped all kinds of people. Sometimes it's hard. You know, we had six appointments through. We, we had a couple others, but we had six appointments through uh, one of our agencies this week. Four of them didn't show up. Sometimes it's hard. But you know what? We do it anyway. Two of them did show up. And we helped a lot of people because of it. And we'll continue to do it. Because that's just a no-brainer. There's justice issues that have to be addressed. There's system issues that have to be addressed. There's corporate sin and systemic sin that has to be addressed. But when people are in need, we help them. Like Jesus did. Like Jesus did. I want to go back to this, this young man. Thursday night, my daughter's been sick uh, and in the hospital all week, and uh, I was at um, Board of Ordained Ministry working with professional interviews for ordinands and wonderful, wonderful time. Um, all Monday and Tuesday, Selena went to the hospital on Monday. Um, so you can assume I got back on Wednesday. Things were a little bit of chaotic trying to figure out what we were going to do with everything. We hear Thursday night Selena's going to be okay. I start getting the boys there, taking a nap, start getting ready. We're going to go. The sheriff shows up. Long story short, the young man who I mentioned earlier had stolen things from many neighbors, uh, including my son's backpack. It wasn't worth anything. Didn't have anything in it. I, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I didn't press charges. It didn't really matter much to me. But I, when, I, when I come into that kind of situation, I, I tend to think about what could I have done? Specifically here, I'm talking about me uh, because I'm still selfish and self-centered. Uh, even though I try to give it all to Christ, I still focus on me sometimes. I, and I say, what could I have done? You know, could I have really stopped and had a conversation? You know, I, I, you know when, when, I, when I tried and he just kind of went by, could I have really stopped? What could I have done to prevent it, this from happening, right? That's where my mind goes. What could I have done to prevent this from happening, this young man. Um, and, and because I, I'm sure other of my neighbors will press charges and, and, and I, I don't know how old he is, if he's 17, 18, or, or what there makes a difference, right? Uh, I don't know if uh, jail or juvie or prison could be in his future, you know? Probation, maybe. You know, that kind of thing goes down on your, your record and, and kind of haunts you in your adulthood. And so I was thinking, what could I do to prevent this? And sure, there's probably some things. Uh, and, and I need to be more aware, and we all need to be more aware of who we can get into relationship, who needs us, you know, the sinners and the outcasts and the poor, who needs us in their life, who needs to be built up so this thing kind of doesn't, doesn't happen. But it did happen. And so now the question is, how can I be involved in his life? And despite what's happened, despite what's he, what he has done, how can I share good news with him? Because Jesus went to the cross knowing that he was going to steal stuff. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Jesus went to the cross specifically knowing that this young man was going to make a bad decision. And he said, I'm going to die for you anyway. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to offer you new life anyway. And Jesus is still offering him new life. Still calling him home. And so this is our work. If we follow Jesus, if we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe in you. We're going to talk with the confirmants this week about ha having belief or, 
or following, you know, and, and what you have to do. And the reality is, that's kind of both. You kind of have to believe and have faith, and you kind of have to do, and, and you want to do. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to find yourself in places you don't want to be. You're going to find yourself with people who might not look like you, might not believe what you believe. Don't do the things that you do. And your job is to love them, care for them, feed them, if appropriate, and most of all, share good news that Christ died for them and they can be new. Amen. Let us respond to that good news with the prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught us, the Lord's Prayer. And it will be on the screen if you want to follow along. Let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to transition to our time of prayer. I remind you, during the uh, night, feel free. I encourage you to fill out one of these uh, pads in the chairs. Um, let us know that you're here. There are prayer cards in here for our prayer chain. Uh, also, in your New Life Notes, I hope you got one of these. It has current events and what's going on. You can pull off this little Connect card if you want to fill that out instead. Uh, and it also has a place for prayer concerns. There's also a prayer station um, after communion. Uh, feel free to go to the prayer station, fill out a prayer card. We add those to our prayer chain uh, electronically every week. If you want to be on that prayer chain, you can fill out one of these um, and let us know. Uh, or you can light a candle in honor or memory of someone. So let us be in a mind of prayer. How we do that here at New Life for those of you who are guests or at least how we've been doing it for a little while. I won't say we, we change things continuously. Um, but uh, how we've been doing it for a little while uh, is fairly traditional. I'm going to lift up just kind of a group of people, and then I will just give a moment of silence where you can reflect on that. And then I will say, Lord, in your mercy. And we all respond. Hear our prayer. And it's on the screen, so you don't have to you know memorize it. It's right there for you. And then at the end, I will offer it up to any um, individual names that need to be lifted up, and you feel free to just lift up a name. Um, very brief, you know, God knows what you're talking about. And uh, then I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and we will respond here our prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you once again for this opportunity to worship, to be reminded of the extent you went to, the heights and the depths, the lengths, the places you went, the people you went, who represent all of us, and even more. Your love has no hiding place. Your love spans across our globe and across time. And we thank you for that. 
Lord, we know, though, that there are still so many who are suffering, those who are ill, those who are oppressed, those who are in need of justice and mercy. Lord, we lift up those closest to us, our family, our friends, those who we see every day. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who point us to Christ. Preachers and teachers are educators, our Sunday school teachers, our mentors, those grandparents or parents, brothers and sisters, friends that have led us to you. We pray for them. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for all of those who lead us, the leaders of our world, the leaders of our nation, the leaders of this state, the leaders of our local community, the leaders of your church regardless of creed or denomination. Help them point us to you in all that they do. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who are weak, those who are in need, all of those who suffer, who are ill, who are in darkness, who are sinners, who are outcasts, who are poor. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for ourselves, for New Life United Methodist Church, for our parent congregation, Roscoe, for our sister congregation, Sherlin, for all of our friends and families from other cluster and district and annual conference. We pray for all of those people who have been recommended for ordination. We thank you for our great connection and the great ministry you have set out before us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, now we lift up any other names that need to be brought to your care. Lord, in your mercy. 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 Lord, oh. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we thank you for these and lift these names up to your care, to your ear today. Help us if we are placed in their lives to be your ear, to be your eyes, to be your shoulder, to be your justice and mercy, to be your love. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Let us now receive uh, tithes and offerings for the work of our church. Um, if you're writing checks, they can be made out to New Life United Methodist Church. If you would like to uh, give a special gift to the Paper Angel Closet, you may feel free to do that. Just memo Paper Angel Closet. Uh, there's more information about our church and the paper angel closet, and several other things just right outside the door on that little table. I will remind you, we have upcoming events, including the Easter egg hunt, the Saturday before Easter at 10 a.m. sharp. We are collecting candy, wrapped, individually wrapped candy for R2-D2 back there. Uh, fill up R2, and uh, we'll fill up eggs. That will also be a day to drop off items for the paper angel closet. 
So if you're interested in supporting that ministry, uh, feel free to grab a brochure to look into it a little bit. There are a list of items we collect on the back of the New Life Notes. Uh, if you want to drop off items on that day, we'll be there around that day. Um, Jeff uh, and probably some other people have tickets for biscuits and gravy at Roscoe. When is that? When is n- next week? Next Saturday morning, right? Um, we also have tickets. Jeff has some tickets for Harmony for Hunger on April 15th. Wonderful. The Triumphant Quartet's going to be back. Uh, it is a great time. Uh, wonderful time. March 17th, if you like corned beef and cabbage, there's only one place to go, and that is Sherland United Methodist Church. Their famous corned beef and cabbage dinner, $10 uh, a person, and you will not go home hungry or disappointed. And I, I will be sad because I will be out of town, um, and I will be crying that I'm not eating corned beef with the wonderful people at Sherland. But uh, I encourage you to go. It is from 4.30 to 7 at Sherland United Methodist Church in Sherland, right on Rockton Road, Rockton Avenue, Sherland Road, or whatever that road is, um, depending on where you are. Union Street at 1.30. 